Whether you're an entrepreneur, event planner, political organizer, video producer, cattle farmer, fashion designer, architect, real estate agent, or magazine editor, Airtable can help you create your way. Learn more and get a special offer for the Founders Project listeners at Airtable.com slash Founders Project. Welcome to Inc.'s The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, founder of LearnBest, author of the New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, the forthcoming book, Financially Forward, and most recently, founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm committed to investing in founders who are building our future. Each week, I love to sit down with the top entrepreneur to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. This week, I have a wonderful entrepreneur, Philip Krim, the co-founder and CEO of Casper, the sleep company known for disrupting the mattress industry. Casper is now a unicorn company with a valuation of $1.1 billion. They launched their first product in 2014, and in 2018, sales topped $400 million. A total serial entrepreneur, Philip has founded and served as CEO as two previous startups. He launched his very first business out of his dorm room at uh, University of Texas, uh, UT Austin. Philip was named one of the business insider Silicon Alley 100 and, of course, to Fortune's 40 Under 40. Welcome, Philip. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for uh, having me. I, I'm a, a complete user of Casper, and actually, as I sit here, uh, have somebody you know delivering a bed with a new <laughs> mattress, so I, I can't even make this up. I'm an absolute total user. Well, thank um, you for the business. But let's just start with Casper, which is now a household name brand in, in mattresses, which was an industry that you know you brought hip and cool to. Talk through a little bit of that founding story, your vision. How'd you get here? Sure. So uh, I'm one of five co-founders for the for, with Casper, and four of us met in a co-working space here in New York City, working on previous companies. And we kept talking about sleep. Uh, we were randomly assigned to sit next to each other. We became friends. One of my co-founders, Neil, his dad's a sleep doctor. And we kept talking about how sleep really made you more productive. It made you smarter, happier. You know, pulling all-nighters was not the way to be productive. And eventually that led to a conversation about the mattress industry. And as you said, uh, the, you know, the mattress industry had not changed for a very long time. There are 100-plus-year-old brands uh, like Sealy, Serta, Simmons that just no longer were really relevant to us as consumers. And then we started talking about kind of the rise of direct-to-consumer. We saw what Warby Parker was doing, what Dollar Shave Club, what Harry's were doing. And we said that was really interesting because with direct-to-consumer, we could create a brand that was really resonating with us as consumers and relevant today. And we could go direct-to-consumer so we could cut out the terrible mattress-buying experience that hadn't changed in decades. And so that was kind of the genesis behind it. And uh, when we met Jeff Chapin, our fifth co-founder, uh, we really had the product piece dialed in. He's a, a brilliant industrial designer and mechanical engineer. And so we said we, we thought we could build a really great product and take it to market with a really great brand and go direct through our website, Casper.com. And so that's what we set out to do back in 2013. We launched the business April 22nd, 2014. So we just celebrated our five-year birthday. Wow. And today we talk about really building the world's first sleep brand. And so we're thinking very holistically about how do we help our customers sleep better because we believe that sleep is is the great unlock, the great uh, superpower for folks. So we are continue to be a very mission-driven company about awakening the potential of a well-rested world. And uh, that's what we want to do over the next you know several decades to come. Uh, it's amazing you're talking to a brand new mom. I have a four-week-old. You also have your own son who is, what, five weeks old, five and a half weeks old. Um, sleep is probably not the 
the biggest part of our future. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit more, and I love that you're really you know, thinking about this as a holistic sleep brand. What does that really mean? Tell me more about the mission behind the company. Yeah, for sure. One thing we love about sleep is that it's universal, right? Everyone has to sleep, and yet everyone has such an individualized relationship with their sleep. So new parents certainly have a different relationship or a newfound appreciation for sleep during that period of your life. But but growing up, you have uh, sleep needs. You have different sleep needs. When you're starting your career, you have different sleep needs. As you get older, you have different sleep needs. And none of consumers' sleep needs were really being answered by the brands in the space. People didn't think holistically about sleep. And so that's part of our insight with Casper was that we could really be the one brand that you think about no matter what aspect of sleep you're trying to solve or improve or optimize around. And part of the backdrop there is we believe that sleep is becoming a part of the wellness equation. Uh, you know, as, as we mentioned, it's not cool to brag about pulling all-nighters anymore. It's cool to say how you optimize sleep. You didn't look at your phone before you were falling asleep. You filtered out blue light. These are themes that we think are here to stay. And so we think there is this secular shift for the wellness equation to not just be exercise and eating, but also sleep as, as really the third pillar. I actually just read a book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, the um, PhD. And what was to your point of like, you know, sitting was the new smoking. I think that the future of sleep is we now know scientifically if you are not getting the right amount of sleep, good quality sleep, it causes all sorts of problems from memory loss to Alzheimer's to, you know, real issues to your health and can shorten your life dramatically. So you had me at hello. Um, <laughs> but as you think about the future product lines, is there anything that's clear? Or how do you think, is it the mattresses? Is it temperature? Is it all of the above? Um, uh, give me a sense of kind of how you're wrapping your head around that. Yeah, so it's a little bit uh, of all of the above. And what we saw was we, we originally launched with a mattress that we designed and engineered in-house. Uh, we, we now call it our... It is incredible, by the way. This, <laughs> Thank you're you. not paying me to say this. Um, <laughs> we have so many of them. They're so comfortable. They arrive in such a great box. It's it's so much easier to put... I mean, everything. It sounds like it. we have an official spokesperson you do. You now. Have, you, have, you have a happy customer. <laughs> Excellent. Well, the, the insight, and, and we continue to put the customer experience, the customer voice at the center of everything we do. But when we launched, we really just had the mattress that we worked on. And in talking to customers, we realized that if you put someone else's sheets on the product, if you use someone else's pillow, and it's not designed around the same principles that the Casper mattress was, that it didn't create the ideal sleep environment. And so the reason why I say it's all of the above is the, the microclimate of where you sleep. So temperature, humidity, make a difference to your sleep quality, light, sound, all of these things influence your sleep. And we believe that there's no company out there that really is thinking about a lot of different products through purely a sleep lens. And so even just, just this January, we launched our first technology product, the product called the Glow. And the Glow is designed to help you use light to help you fall asleep better and wake up better based on your rhythms, based on the history of knowing when the sun is rising and the sun is setting and it's a great nightlight and it filters out the blue light. So it's the only lighting product designed exclusively around sleep quality. We think there are a lot of other products that we can take to market that ultimately improve and optimize your sleep experience. And by controlling or optimizing all of the different experiences within your bedroom, you'll, you will sleep better. And we want Casper to be the brand that you think about for any of these options. I love it. Um, so let's go back to your founding story. So there's five of you. You know, you're innovating in uh, the sleep category, but initially with mattresses. Was early venture days easy? What, what did those early days look like with raising money, getting the company off the ground? Just give me a few of the tidbits that you really remember now that kind of really stuck out good and bad. 
Yeah, it's funny. I think we, we joke like uh, it always seems like things are going to get easier and you, you can always dream of the day of the next chapter for you. And so the early days, it's, oh, I can't wait till we raise a bunch of money and we have a big company and we have teams to do things. Um, but I, I think it, it still hasn't gotten any easier. And, and it wasn't easy in the early days. Uh, telling people that we were going to make a cool sleep brand didn't, you know, a lot of people couldn't see that. They, they said, how are you going to make a mattress a cool product or something that people talk about? And so raising money was really hard. People told us no left and right. And we said, uh, you know, no matter what, we think this has to exist. We're going to do whatever we can. We were working on it before we had any money. Uh, we were fortunate that we did get some great early investors, and that helped us really launch the product and the brand uh, the way we wanted to. And, and, you know, we just keep putting one foot in front of the other and, and keep saying, you know, wh- what do we need to do to build the business, build the brand, have the best team out there, have the best products in the space, uh, and, and we're still thinking about ways that we can continue to do that and invest and make our customer experiences better. And uh, today we're talking about doing that offline. We have stores now. So how do we make the store experience better? How do we bring our products to market in whatever way our customers want? And so that's a really exciting challenge. And we're in the early days of that. And figuring all of that out is kind of the latest and greatest challenge. What drove the decision to say, okay, let's go have stores uh, and take this online experience offline was that a challenging one? Was it a no-brainer? You know, it, it's it's funny. We joke that uh, we learned that we were going to go into retail or into the physical world kind of the first day we were in business. Uh, surprisingly, this wasn't an insight we had before we launched, but we launched the business April 22nd. We had a couple of press pieces hit about us and us raising some venture money. And that afternoon, someone knocked on the door and said, I'm here to try the mattress. And there were seven of us, I think, at the office at that point. Stop and it. This is amazing. <laughs> we look around and we're like, uh-oh, now what? We didn't have a mattress set up. We didn't think about it. We were in a second-story walk-up in New York City. And at the time, we had one conference room that we quickly converted to a bedroom. And since that day forward, we had customers coming through and laying on the product. And we loved talking to them and having them understand why we were designing what we were designing. And so we said, okay, offline is going to be really important here. People want to touch and feel the product. They want to learn. It's a very important process to pick your mattress because it's so impactful to your life. And so then we just started doing a bunch of different experiments and learnings. We had a mobile Natmobile where we took our products through a converted trailer all over the country and into Canada where we got to talk to people. Lines would form for people that wanted to lay on the product and try it. We did some pop-ups. We did one in Venice, California. We did one in Soho. And all of this helped inform that uh, offline was something that not only did our customers want, but that it was a great way to bring the brand to life, bring our products to life, have people touch and feel the product, and they loved it. And so now we're kind of in that next stage of, of really rolling out stores and continuing our offline expansion. Including being sold in over a 1,000 Target locations. Tell us a little bit about that. That's right. Yeah, Target's been a great partner. Our pillows are sold in over a 1,000 Target locations, and it's amazing. People love the pillow. Again, it, it's something that fundamentally can change the way you sleep and your sleep quality. We designed and engineered the pillows in-house uh, with our own insights around how to regulate temperature. The materials we use all help create the best ergonomic support, but also sleep comfortably and and, uh, help create the ideal microclimate for your head. And so the pillow's great. People love it, and it sells really, really well at Target. And so it's been a great uh, outlet for it. 
Let's quickly go back. So basically, um, you set out to innovate a singular consumer product. And now, to your point, you're really already started with the mission of um, masterminding all of sleep. But you've since kind of innovated and created a path forward for other companies like Away and Quip and all these other brands that have come in and taken what I would call kind of a, a simple, boring consumer product and added personality and spunk and, and life to it. How do you feel about that? I mean, it really is in some ways trailblazing and what other product categories uh, do you look at that you think are really interesting that people are innovating in? You know, I, I think it's a, a great question. And I think it just speaks to kind of where consumers are going. Consumers want to transact with a brand that resonates with them. They want to have a brand that connects with them, whether it's a, a mission, a purpose, or just a personality. I think more and more consumers have access to more and more brands. There's more transparency about these brands coming to market, and you're able to connect with consumers through kind of more direct ways. And so we always talked about that one-to-one connection that a brand like Casper has with folks is something that's really special that people really like. And so I think you're going to see category by category, and you certainly listed a few, but that are really reinvented by brands who get that fundamental one-to-one connection, but can do it at scale. And so that's that's the challenge that we as businesses need to take on how do we scale that one-to-one connection without losing that personal connection, that voice, that that uh, trust with our customer. And so we, we always try to balance, you know, how do we make sure that we stay authentic to ourselves, we stay true and transparent to our customers, uh, maintain that, that direct connection, but do it at more and more scale. So one of the most important things for a CEO to do is obsessively look at the future. As you look at the future for uh, Casper, and I think we've gotten a little bit of a sense of it, but what what's getting you most excited? So I think the, the word we use internally is kind of channel agnostic, that no matter how our customers want to transact with us, no matter how they want to learn about our products, we need to make the experiences seamless. Um, more and more, the consumers are using both online and offline together. They're, they don't think of themselves as, okay, today I'm going to be online shopping and tomorrow I'm going to be offline shopping. The world certainly is converging. And I think because we're a technology-driven company, a data-driven company, we are able to connect those shopping experiences in a way that old-school brands or old-school retailers really struggle with. And so I get really excited about a world where no matter how a customer wants to shop from us, how they want their products delivered, that it all works seamlessly. The customers can on demand whatever they want, have the products there, have the experiences they need, and do it in a way where it's all interconnected and it works really well. And so that's what we're really focused on uh, doing for the Casper brand and, and business. Give everybody a sense of just kind of how big the team is today and um, what that journey's been like. Yeah. So uh, today we're about 550 people strong. Uh, we have about 350 people at Casper headquarters and about 200 folks with our retail team. We continue to grow quickly and, and hire kind of across the board. And uh, it's awesome. I mean, it's it's why I love going to work. We work with really smart, dedicated people who are very passionate about our mission and are excited to continue to help people sleep better. Would you say if you had to rewind and look, you know, at the last five years, were there times when just like the the fast growth of scale broke you? Uh, was it at a hundred? Was it seventy five, two hundred, five? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not five since there were five founders. Right. No, totally. You know, I, I would say we never got to the, the the place where I felt like it broke us. I think. You know, you mentioned the job of the CEO. I think one thing that I think about is like, how do we push the team to to keep moving fast and keep fulfilling what our customers need and demand of us, uh, and do so at a, a pretty fast clip, but not to a point where it breaks you. And so we we've tried to think about, you know, what are the natural stress points within the business? How do we hire ahead of some of that? How do we invest into some of that? 
we always put the voice of the customer front and center. And so in our early days, just keeping up with product demand and being late on shipping was really, really painful because, you know, the five founders, everyone at the company was talking to customers. We were doing the live chats and answering the phone calls. And so when someone doesn't have their bed and they need it, you, you hear that pain. And so that, I think, was probably the hardest point for us as founders and, and us as a company was just to hear that we were letting down customers and not delivering on what we set the expectation to be. Um, and so we, we worked through that. And, and, you know, fortunately, that's largely not an issue today, although we, we do miss kind of product expectations like the Glow sold out within weeks and we, we thought we had months worth of supply. So still something we're learning. Um, but whenever we disappoint customers, whenever we set expectations and don't meet those, it's always painful. And so we, we try to think ahead of where that, that could happen and, and avoid it. And with that, we'll be right back after this. In the 1990s, an engineer and avid bird watcher named Eiji Nakatsu was fascinated by the way the kingfisher could dive into the water without making a splash. He later designed a new high-speed train for Japan Railway West based on the shape of the kingfisher's beak, which broke world speed records while reducing noise and energy consumption. This creative breakthrough is brought to you by Airtable. Learn more and get a special offer for Founders Project listeners at airtable.com forward slash Founders Project. So you are a young, very passionate founder who's had two companies prior to this. Who's been the best advisors for you along the way? Just knowing that every business is different and you hadn't done exactly what you have to do for Casper to help shepherd this company into the future. Uh, Who have been the best sounding boards for you? Who's your red phone? You know, we've been very lucky. We have great investors, two of whom in particular serve on the board and are just great partners in the business. So Tony Florence with NEA has just been an amazing partner. He's been with us since the very beginning. Ben Lear, also great partner, great investor. Um, both those guys are around anytime I need help. They're very thoughtful. They, they have uh, very accomplished careers. They see a lot. But really, it's, it's I think, because they truly think of themselves as a partner to me and a partner to the business. And that's always been their advice and counsel. And so it's, it's, I count myself as very fortunate to have great investors and partners that I can pick up the phone and really talk to them about anything that I might be dealing with, whether it's hiring or business challenges or whatever it may be. Uh, they've always been fantastic. That's wonderful. So, okay, let's think a little bit about, you know, you started a company where you're disrupting incumbents, and now you have a lot of people who want to try to compete. How do you think about just staying ahead of the competition? How do you just stay super sharp? Yeah, the amount of competition we've had uh, certainly was not what we expected. But one thing it, it has done is force us to really think about how to do every aspect of our business better. How do we have a better brand? How do we do better marketing? How do we have the best products? How do we have the best experiences? Because we know it's a very competitive field. The industry is changing very quickly. The incumbents continue to lose meaningful share. And so we know that that disruption that's happening in the industry is is happening for a moment in time. And we really need to set ourselves up to become market share leader over time. And so it really has forced us to make sure we have the right people in our seat that we're thinking you know, 6, 12, 24 months ahead of what we need to do on the product side, on the experience side, on the go-to-market strategy, on distribution. And, uh, you know, it feels like we've been fully stress test. We've seen what the, the big guys in the space have done to compete with us. We've seen startups come and compete with us. And fortunately, it hasn't slowed us down. And we say, you know, if anything, it's helped educate consumers that there is a better, smarter way to buy mattresses and sleep products. And uh, we think that if you're aware that there's a better alternative, you'll go do your research and you'll see that Casper's 
the highest rated mattress, the highest rated brand has great loyalty and feedback. As you think about your online business versus your retail physical business, do you think in 10 years, 15 years, consumers will get more comfortable buying things online that they can't touch? Or do you feel like it'll always be uh, you know, the multi-channel? Or do you not think about that? Our view is that both uh, online and offline are going to be forever very important to a consumer journey. Uh, we, we don't think that this is a product category that people just purely buy online. We think that whether it's part of the research phase or the transaction phase or the delivery phase where you want to get the products in our stores, which you can do, their offline will have a very meaningful piece. We've seen online grow really quickly over the last five years since Casper really made that a, a viable channel within the industry. We think online continues to grow quickly, but really they're inseparable and they're both really intrinsically important to the consumer experience. Talk to me a little bit about the consumer experience. So as I said, you know, I got my mattress and it comes in a box and even that is just different in terms of how other mattresses could be delivered. Tell us a little bit about how you thought about all of the different steps of innovation and delighting your customer. Sure. So, you know, from the very beginning, we said, let's take every consumer touch point that we have the opportunity to have with a customer and make it the best possible. And at the time, we didn't even think about, you know, what that could end up doing for the business, although it did have a very big impact on the business. And what I mean is, you know, we said, okay, they're going to get the delivery. So let's make the box as you know awesome as possible. Let's brand every part of it. Let's make the unboxing experience wonderful. Let's give people the tool they need to kind of unbox it when you do open up your mattress. And it actually had the great benefit of creating that viral moment with customers because people didn't realize that the mattress comes compressed. So when you open it up, it expands in a matter of seconds to full form. And what people ended up doing was filming it and posting it on their social media accounts. And so that virality helped us grow immensely in the beginning days. And and even to this day, people are posting about us every day. And so it it was really just a, a function of getting lucky by thinking about how Every moment we have the chance to really reinforce who the brand is, why the products are so great and special, and people appreciated that. And that never existed in the industry before us. And, uh, you know, it actually really helped our business model. That's amazing. You know, what you didn't realize probably when you were doing that is somebody like me who's not very, you know, not very big, uh, I'm 5'3", the fact that I can actually move a mattress now uh, when you deliver it to me was just like in a delightful equation. A mattress got delivered, it needed to go upstairs, and I could actually do it myself, which with the typical other mattress, I would never be able to. Um, so again, uh, real delight there. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to shift um, to just you. Did you always know you were going to be an entrepreneur and a CEO? I mean, where was that early? Tell me a little bit about when like that light bulb went off and you were like, this is my future and, and this is like the role that I will play in my career. Walk us through that. Yeah, I I, uh, I always love business. So, you know, my, my father was a businessman, so I was exposed to it very early on. Uh, and so I knew I would just go into business. I didn't know what that meant. Um, and so I, I studied it. You know, I was the nerdy kid in high school and middle school that brought the Wall Street Journal to class and would read that. So I, I just I've always loved business. I love studying it, etc. I didn't know exactly what path that meant. I started in college studying finance and, and thought that that would be the right path. And then I accidentally started my first company while I was in school, as you mentioned, at the University of Texas, and ultimately switched my major to marketing because I thought that'd be more relevant to the company I was working on, which was an e-commerce company. And so it was all accidental. I learned what dropshipping was. I learned uh, what e-commerce was. I taught myself HTML so I would build websites. 
And I figured out that if someone will do all the physical fulfillment of it, I could run a website, I could market it online uh, through paid search. And this was back in the early 2000s, so not quite uh, as formed of an industry or channel as it is today. Uh, and so I just kind of started tinkering with that, and that led to my first company. And so I was really focused on kind of e-commerce and retail and what that meant and, and learning a lot about that. Uh, and so that's that's kind of been my journey since college was really very entrepreneurial, very consumer focused and, and helping businesses or helping consumers with a, a business model that was technology driven and, and marketing enabled through online channels. I just one observation, having met you a handful of times, you just seem incredibly comfortable in the role as CEO. It doesn't feel like it's stressful for you or nerve wracking for you. Uh, it really does just feel kind of matter of fact, um, which is uh, just a, a good vibe that you always put off. As you think about um, being in the role of CEO and you think about all of the things that you have to juggle to just like be able to stay your best self, kind of what's, what's your playbook? What do you do to make sure um, you're taking care of yourself so that you can be fresh? And, and ready for for everything that confronts you. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, sleep is certainly <laughs> a very important ingredient. <laughs> I just teed that one up for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but it's funny. I like ever since I was a baby, I needed a lot of sleep, and to this day, I need a lot of sleep. So I'm definitely someone that always tries to get What's eight a hours. a lot of sleep? Eight hours. Eight, eight hours. Yeah, solid eight. Definitely is a, a critical ingredient. Otherwise. As my wife would say, I get cranky and uh, certainly My husband. Not. That's yeah. my husband. If he doesn't get eight hours, we've got an issue. Yeah. And of course, he doesn't always get eight hours. <laughs> and and other than that, it's, you know, one thing early on with the company is, like I said, I never want to be a bottleneck for the rest of the things that have to go on. So I, I do try to be very responsive with emails and with, you know, anything that's on me to get done. So, you know, definitely try to keep the inbox down and, and really uh, get back to people as quickly as possible and, and stay on top of everything. And that helps with my stress levels because, you know, as things pile up, I, I don't like that. Uh, and so trying to be diligent there are, are things that I do to, to hopefully not get too stressed out, although certainly a big part of the job. Where do you feel like you learn? You know, is when you look around you, um, how do you make sure you're staying cutting edge? Like, is it industry material content that you're reading? Is it conferences? Is it where are you staying the absolute smartest? Or is it people you talk to? What What is that formula? Yeah, I um, I definitely love talking to other founders and CEOs and talking to folks like you who have, have been there, done that, and uh, always learn in, in sharing experiences it's, I encourage my team to go find peers of theirs across different organizations because I think the best way to learn is just talk through these challenges. And the, the thing with a company like Casper or you know a lot of these emerging companies is there's no playbook. There's no, you know, here's what you need to go do to go build your business. You're, you're making this stuff up. And so to me, it's, it's talking to other people who are in the trenches doing the work that you're doing. And again, that's that's CEO or any position, but just you're, you're sharing stories, you're learning how everyone thinks about things, and it definitely helps me kind of continue to evolve how I think and, and learn for sure. Uh, that's so good. I, I, I do think it's absolutely invaluable to be able to talk to other people. I invest in this company called Chief, where it basically creates cohorts of uh, women together so that you can constantly keep sharing and learning. And I, I do think that that kind of YPO model really does work for people to um, stay super relevant. Okay, so I want to hear your sleep routine. You know, just what are your rules for sleep for yourself? And especially, again, you have a little boy, Cameron, five weeks old. 
Are there are there rules that you have to abide by? I, I'm I'm asking to take notes, by the way, because I'm a mother <laughs> of three little ones. How do I make sure I'm getting the best sleep I can? Well, it's I'm laughing because it's you know something we talked about very early on is that we didn't want to be this you know paternalistic brand where it's like go get your eight hours, and if you're not getting your eight hours or having this ritual, then you're doing terrible. And so I I, I joke like don't do what I do because I, I'm not the best when it comes to a sleep routine. I generally sleep really well, but like I'm looking at my phone up until I fall asleep because. I'm doing emails or responding to people, things yep. like that. And that's definitely not kind of best practice when it comes to getting sleep, as Ariana Huffington would tell you. But for me, it's uh, I, I'm someone who generally falls asleep pretty quickly. And so, you know, I try to get in bed at the right time. I, I do work from bed, which is not great, but uh, just works for me to stay on top of things. Are we not supposed to do that? I do that all the yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's uh, part of the playbook. I think you and I fall asleep easily, which is part, probably helpful in our, in our industry and what we do for a living. Yeah, that's right. Uh, like I watch TV until I go to bed, which you're not supposed to do. And so I could definitely have a better routine. Uh, I will say the glow light is awesome, though. It helps you fall asleep really quickly and in a really gentle way. And, and that, that we've added to the routine recently. I love that. So as you look forward at just the future of shopping, what do you think? What are your hypotheses of just about the future of us all shopping? What are the things that are obvious to you? Yeah, well, I think that consumers will have more and more ability to pick how they want everything done, meaning it, it is more and more of an on-demand experience. If you want products when you're in a store, the products will be there. If you want products to arrive on your doorstep by the time you get home, they can do that. And so I think the consumer will get more and more choosy just based on how they want things happening. And you're seeing you're seeing large retailers like Walmart and Target invest in that ability to order online and go pick it up uh, curbside or go pick it up in your stores. And there's just going to be more and more options about how customers pick how they shop, how they learn, how they receive products. And so I think what that means then is that the best retailers now are investing into supply chain and logistics. And that part of the business is really hard. And it's not always obvious to customers, just customers are going to want what they want when they want it. But it means that companies like Casper and, and you know large retailers who have the ability to invest can start to change their supply chain, change how they think about inventory, and then make sure technology gives consumers the options for whatever they want to have happen in their shopping experience. I absolutely love that, and I totally agree. And I just think that you know consumers, to your point, are getting far more demanding. Right. That's so interesting. So uh, a few quick things in our uh, kind of quick fire round here. Okay. So you have built a business with 550 plus people, and you're going to be scaling even more. What's your playbook when it comes to hiring? You know, uh, culture is obviously very important to us. And so uh, everyone who interviews anyone at the company is always looking for a good cultural fit. Um, and, and that's table stakes. If you're not a good cultural fit, nothing else matters. So we're always trying to get to know someone, understand uh, what environments they work well, and make sure that they're, you know, not a jerk, basically, is, is kind of one of the, the tenets. Punchline. <laughs> yeah. Punchline. <laughs> um, you know, from there, it's uh, we, we try to understand what motivates someone. We are a very mission-driven company, so we want someone excited about our mission and someone that really believes in sleep as a superpower and wants to, you know, help people sleep better. And so we definitely uh, try to get a sense of that and make sure that, that people are well-intentioned about why they want to work at Casper. And from there, we're open-minded. You know, we, we don't Again, because we're a company that, that is charting our own way, we don't say like, okay, you definitely need this experience for this role and been there, done that. Like We, we want generally smart people who are passionate, who are compassionate, uh, uh, get very motivated by listening to the customer and then problem solving. 
I love it. Um, is there an interview question that you feel, or one or two, that you think really gives you a good sense of who somebody is? So when you're sitting with them, you know, the question that you like to ask, what would it be? You know, I don't have an overly formulaic approach to interviews, and I, I generally just try to get a sense of who the person is and what makes them tick. And so the conversations go in a bunch of different directions. So I, I don't have kind of this, you know, overly rigid way of kind of going through questions to get a sense of someone. It really is just to get to know them, uh, understand how they talk about previous uh, work that they've done, what gets them excited and passionate, uh, what they like in life. You know, a lot of it is about the work at Casper, but a lot of it is just who they are as a person and trying to understand, uh, you know, w what motivates them. And, you know, for different roles, different things are, are important. And so just try to be sensitive about who the person is. And again, would they be a good cultural fit? Is it someone that we'd want to work with every day? And then are they, you know, are they intellectually curious? Are they motivated? Are they passionate about the right things? Would you say on a Sunday night, if you're excited, you're looking out at the week and you're not nervous, uh, you don't have the Sunday scaries, you know, you're <laughs> like probably watching Game of Thrones. But if you're looking at the week and you're pretty pumped, what's happening in the week? Is it a business deal? Is it a hire? Is it what what's going on? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. I'm spending a, a lot of time with kind of our commercial leads about how do we go find the right retail partners, like develop relationships, like what we have with Target. Um, so I'm spending more time on the road, like meeting other retailers that that we could have a great relationship with because that's going to be really important for us. Um, retail's new and really exciting, and so we're still figuring out how our store should operate. So getting to spend time in a store and, and seeing how our customers interact with us and how we help people understand sleep and, and the different products we offer and how that can impact someone I really love. And then spending time uh, with our team internally, uh, whether that's hiring new folks for the team or just thinking through you know, how we could work better as an organization and share learnings and just keep working for the, the customer and working for the business. Uh, I love that. You know, as I said, like, I love business. And so just really thinking about deeply like how, as a team, we can perform better to help the business uh, perform better and our customers get a better experience is, is really fun for me. Last few quick questions here. We are both New York City entrepreneurs. Uh, how do you think about that, the ecosystem in New York as it thrives? Do you think it's growing? Are you seeing more entrepreneurial uh, behavior? I would just love a sense, especially given that you're such a big leader in the community. Uh, well, I, I am a huge fan of New York City. I could not imagine growing a company anywhere else. I would have no desire to grow it anywhere else. I think New York City has the best talent pool across so many diverse uh, industries and backgrounds. I I'm a big fan of trying to help the New York City ecosystem. So I, I take time, uh, my co-founder Neil, we always take time to meet with other founders who are starting out because they were very helpful to us in our formative days and continue to be very helpful. So we invest a lot of time and energy into helping the New York City ecosystem. I think it's stronger than it's ever been, but it's, it's only going to keep getting stronger. And you're hearing about more and more companies, you know, reach the billion plus dollar valuation here based in New York City. And I think it's really great and, uh, and, again, couldn't imagine doing it anywhere else, wouldn't want to do it anywhere else. Uh, last question. If there's one startup or company that is not Casper that you're looking at or that you've seen or some sort of trend or innovation that you're pretty jazzed about, what is it? You know, I, th I think the healthcare space is one that uh, continues to have a lot of innovation. Like some of the, the companies that are leveraging telemedicine to connect directly with patients to help change the way that they have experienced healthcare. I think is really awesome. And I think we're in the early days of seeing healthcare really transform and uh, technology will certainly help do that in a, a really meaningful way. So that, that space overall is definitely an area I keep an eye on. 
I love it. Philip, thank you so much for joining us today. You're just such a delightful entrepreneur. Everybody, you can learn more about Casper at Casper.com. And please tune in next week for Inks, the Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. And thank you so much again, Philip. Thank you very much. Thank you all for listening. You can subscribe to Inks, the Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel wherever your podcasts are offered. My book, Financially Forward, comes out May 14th. You can find it wherever books are sold, and it will help you understand everything about the future of your wallet and all the best ways to save, spend, and keep your wallet secure.